Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTondres. I'm bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me on the other end of the line, Ryan Warden. Ryan, last week was phenomenal. From a number standpoint. That's good. Hopefully somebody's learning something. I think that when you get into scandal or emotional, I don't know if people just go out and say, man, you need to listen to this. But it was was pretty phenomenal from from a number standpoint on the admin side. Good. Good. It was a hopefully, it was a lot of emotion in that part of the story for you in telling that. You walk through it step by step, step by step, detail by detail, and how I thought it was really good in how you told it. I got made fun of for jumping in and asking questions, but that's okay. Get made fun of all the time. That's all right. That's all right. If I miss something and you want to know it, then go back and ask it, I'll tell you whatever. So, I was in your part of the world this past weekend, just south of you. Again, in Stillwater. Jeez, holy crap. I thought Mississippi can't start every one of these podcasts off with a weather report. People don't know what hot is until you go to that part of the world right now. It was hot. The heat index today was 107. I had the radio on as I was coming back through Fort Smith, Arkansas, and somebody on the radio, I'm not calling this a fact, I'm just repeating what she said. It was like 103 or 4 temperature and 118 hidden heat index. I've never even heard of such, 118 heat index. That's ridiculous. It's pretty warm. It's warm. Humid. Warm is what that is, with no wind. It was hot, hot in northern Oklahoma, though, this past weekend. How did the softball tournament turn out? Before we jump back into the story, how did it turn out? Good. Uh, Made it to the semifinals or to the finals. And uh, had a tough loss in the bottom of the seventh. We led all the way. Got to the bottom of the seventh. My daughter made an error in the outfield that she normally doesn't, which cost us two runs. So 
my heart kind of broke for her. I mean, she just turned 11 in July, so she handled it hell, trotted back to her position. I yelled, shake it off, and she lifted her hand like, I got it, Dad. <laughs> so, but your heart kind of breaks for him. But then we were still ahead by two with two outs and had another error from the catcher trying to pick a girl off at third, which is a play that probably shouldn't have been made, but the girl was acting like she was going to delay steal, so pitcher let or the catcher let go of it overthrew her and that girl was the tying run and while the ball was rolling through left field and the left fielder was running towards it and I was gasping for air. The winning run rounded third and slid home for the win. So it was a tough loss. My daughter took it well. I was proud of her. A lot of team her teammates were crying and she you know, whether they lost the game or whatever, and she made it clear that it was they win as a team, they lose as a team, and whatever. So that's nice to see some leadership out of your daughter that just turned 11, 10, 15 days ago. So I was proud of her. She held her head high and got in line first to shake hands and tell them good game and came off the field with a smile. So Who handles losses better? Boys or girls at that age? Um, I'm not sure at any age because I was not handling it well in the stands. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, I mean, your heart just, just breaks for them. But, I, you know, I think girls are probably a little bit more, more mature, I think, at that age. And. I mean that's what that's what us guys have been told our whole life, so that's what I think. But she handled it well. Who who handles um who is more competitive, do you think? Guys or girls? Softball or baseball? That that same age group. Uh, I don't know because I have two my both of my girls are older and both of my girls are very, very competitive. And my son is like eight and is not competitive, probably because he never has a chance to even get close to winning because the 13-year-old and the now 11-year-old just don't even let him entertain the thought of winning. So, I mean, in my opinion, it would be girls. My daughter, my girls are pretty competitive. They have, they have no problem entering into a baseball game with a group of boys on another field between, you know, when at another softball tournament or something when they're done. So I don't know. I don't have any, I don't have any boys that age yet. So, you know, you just hear different parents with, with boys or girls talk about it. And I just, I know it's fun. You know, a lot of people make fun of travel ball parents. It's just you know, just just like 4-H, it it's fun, something fun to do as a family. There's a lot worse things that, that you could be doing. You know, you could be hanging out at a bar while your wife and your kids are at home. Yeah. There's there's a lot worse things that could be happening than than traveling around and playing ball. 
Yeah. Which, I mean, I travel quite a bit with my girls. The boys in my life don't, don't do much. They're, one of them plays a little bit of baseball. The other one that's not sure what he wants to do. And they're both under 10, so it's different, I guess, to to see them. The other two want to do every. The two, the two girls want to do everything they can. So, I mean, if you had a lawn dart throwing competition Saturday morning at six at the VFW downtown, they'd show up. Boy, my, my boy, he, he's six, and. My girls at the same age, dude, they were everything is a, but everything's a competition. But I used to go to church with the head basketball coach here at Ole Miss. We were walking out of church. I was talking to him one time. I said, you know, I'm sure you, you understand the psychology of, you know, looking for college athlete when they're young. So what's the what's the one thing that I mean? It's not like he's going out scouting a seven or eight year old, yeah. but what's the one thing that they all have in common? And he said, if they have a sibling, everything's a competition. How fast they can get to the bathroom, or how fast they can run up the yeah. stairs, who can get to the dinner table first, who can fold the most clothes. Every single thing is a competition, man. Uh, I could care less if my kids play any sports past high school, but everything is a competition at my house. Everything. I'm very competitive, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, and my 11-year-old is probably the better of the two softball players. My 13-year-old is good. Both are pitchers. Um, my 13-year-old is a leadoff left-handed hitter. My 11-year-old is a cleanup hitter, right-handed. And they both pitch, so it's constantly pitching to each other, trying to strike each other out, arguing over strikes and balls, arguing over speed of the pitch. So yeah, it's it's a it's constant. Probably grows well, Ryan, a little bit. Last week, back to the story. Last week, when we left it, you had gotten sentenced by the judge. You had been taken down to the yes, the lower part of the court. I wouldn't call it booked. Would you call it booked? Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. I was booked in. I I legally went on an arrest log for a federal what? court under the U.S. Marshals, and was fingerprinted, photoed. Charges went on a formal document that will forever be in court history under federal charges. Last week you which stood is, before which the is judge. Scary and, every well, time, I mean, every time you fill out anything, job applications or anything, here, but you don't. I mean, you don't realize it. But have you ever been federally indicted? Now it's pretty. It's pretty close. Have you ever been charged with a crime? Yeah, yeah. Federal crimes. 
misdemeanors or whatever. But I mean, even your you stood. You stood before the judge, and you told her that you had created a business to where this would not happen to other people on your watch. And before she could see what this business became, she she either retired or she passed. I'm not sure. Maybe you can tell us. Um, she she retired. Um, and the only reason I know that is because several years into my sentencing, as a matter of fact, about six months ago, well, my dad had retired last year and he'd worked the same job for, you know, he worked one job at our small local co-op for like 30 years and changed farmers tires and batteries and whatever else. Well, they closed that down and he went to work for the county and worked there for like 30 years. It was the only two jobs he really ever had. And he retired and he always wanted to go to Alaska. And so I said, let's go on a cruise out of Vancouver up to Seward. Let's go June time and we will try to catch some some salmon and stuff. And I'd been fishing in Canada on several occasions and bear hunting in Canada on several occasions because I couldn't hunt in the U.S. And I, I'm not stupid, so I knew Alaska was in the United States, but I was also thinking I would either fish at one of the ports in Canada or something, try to get off early, or I, I don't know. I just... It was a dream of my dad, so I wanted to kind of fulfill it. He's 72. So it was one of them deals where, you know, trying to do some bucket list items with him. Remember, I haven't been able to do much with him in the United States for the last five years. And we were pretty close hunting-wise. I mean, from I mean, it's, it's like anybody. That's where you start. So um, pretty tough deal. And I was kind of excited and reached out and said, can I get off? And they asked who my judge was. And, and um, I said, you know, at least for the fishing, I don't mind. The hunting, I can't really hunt anything in the summer anyways. And I don't mind doing my time for that or whatever, but even fishing. And they said... That Judge Humphreys had retired. So I, I, I never did. You know, I kind of wondered if they would pull me back in there and she would ask me how I was doing or whatever. You, you never know. Which it's, it's such a wild card with those guys, with the federal government. I mean, you just don't know. And so I was kind of preparing for the fact that they may call me back in there and ask me why I thought I deserved it or whatever. And he he asked me, my lawyer asked me what, you know, tell me some stuff that you've done. I'm like, I've been to commissioner meetings, state of Kansas. All right. Uh, all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right there. Because I think this is a very, a very interesting, another part of this story. All right. So you leave court. Court's behind us. It's in the rearview mirror. We know our punishment. We know where we're headed. 
All right. So to get toe tags uh, turned into a commercial business where you're not uh, kind of held liable uh, if something goes wrong with the tags. You, you started making phone calls. All right, what's legal? What's what's right? You, you knew how you wanted to make them as far as, you know, resistant to the rain. Um, but you didn't know exactly what needed to be there. So you started making calls to federal game wardens, right? And Kansas Department of Wildlife. To me, this is where another kind of interesting turn to this whole story because it kind of pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, it it did. I mean, my immediate response was to go right to John T. Brooks and right to the prosecuting attorney. And um, so I I, I went after him. Um, in the meantime, I was pressuring them for whatever they weren't going to keep, whatever I didn't agree for them to keep, like my cameras and stuff, like they wanted to go. But it, it's funny because they kind of just went through there and was like, well, this, we could probably use this GoPro. Let's keep this GoPro. And so they kept two or three of my GoPros, and they kept, you know, like some of my Sennheisen wireless mics, but they didn't keep my, um, my Sony camcorder. It was a high def camcorder, but it was an older version of a camcorder. It was like the FX7 or something like that, and stuff that evolved into SD cards. They didn't keep that, so I was—I mean, just a lot of different stuff. It was funny the way they picked through stuff. It was like, yeah, okay, well, he took everything that was good and kind of gave me back the rest of the stuff. Ripped apart a computer, couldn't get it back together. It's kind of in three pieces in there. No way it would turn on. Battery was ripped out of it. Um, so it's funny, but I was trying to get this stuff back because I hadn't been able to file income taxes for that year, for 2011. And now we're in 2014, and every year I go to file taxes, they're like, you haven't filed taxes in 2011. And so you're telling them, why don't you get a hold of your U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, which is a federal agent, federal agency, and get my stuff back where I can do that because they've got all my receipts and everything. Got my all my books. So either have them make copies of them, send them to me or whatever. I tried to do it. I tried to call them. Finally, I just said, Dude, you know, whatever. It's not a tax evasion deal. I'm paying my other taxes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to come out here and guess or whatever. So I, I, I go to John T. Brooks first. Of course, no answer, no no response. Leave messages with his secretary. Nothing. I, if I called that guy one time, I called him 100. Trying to get my stuff, trying to ask him some questions. I mean, he was sitting right there and knew I started a business. Um, trying to ask questions about, you know, what, is is this okay? Is this legal? Is this tag? Is there anything that's missing from this tag? Is there any recommendations that you would make? You know, I'm not asking you to endorse this tag, but because they're not going to do that, period. 
no matter how good it is, no matter how perfect it is, they're not going to come out and endorse something that would, in my opinion, encourage you to follow the law. And I'm sure there's different views to that, but it's very frustrating because it's like, just say that's great. Say that's a, I mean, say it's approved. Say something. And so they'll kind of beat around the bush with it and eventually get to that, but but they don't at first. I can't get a hold of John Brooks. Um, I start trying to get a hold of Matt Treaster, which was a prosecuting attorney. Um, both of them got to the point where, for you know, consecutive days, hey, is John T. Brooks in? Um, I tell him he's calling um, Ryan. Uh, warden and I called yesterday and the previous four days and we'll call again Monday if he's not there and I need to try him again Monday. I mean, I have nothing but time. I can't hunt fish or traps, so I'll call him until he answers. It did, did not phase the dude at all. He like never, veins. He never answered a, or called you back? No, not a kiss my ass, nothing. So I'm like, I mean, you're, I'm extremely frustrated because you're mourning the loss of your business. You're you're now going through the middle of a second, another divorce. And since all this has started, you're back to being alone and it's just miserable. And you can't, you, you, you're trying to get to the bottom of stuff. And you've got your thumb on it, but not as good as you want. And you know you're going to have a target on your back. And you know you got to be able to back what you say. In the meantime, you've launched a Facebook page, and everybody's like, you're a fucking idiot. You're a scam. You should be ashamed of yourself. I can't believe you're once a duck hunter or a goose hunter. You're just trying to take people's money. I've never heard of this. And it, and it came up last week again. Some you know some guy. Well, not we're in Virginia. We don't have to do that. Well, yeah, you do. You just don't realize it. Well, I've never done it before, and I hunt with game wardens here, and I do this. Well, it doesn't matter what you've done. I'm just telling you, it's there. So you're trying to get to the bottom of it, and so then I got to the point where I would call. I I waited a little while, and I would call, and I thought, you know what these chicken shits have no problem lying to me there's no law that says i can't lie to them i'm not under oath or anything else so good afternoon u.s fish and wildlife service yeah, how's john brooks in um yes may i tell him who's calling bob jones uh mr jones <laughs> mr brooks is not in right now <laughs> can i leave a call back number Whatever, and same with Matt Treaster. I, yeah, I was Johnny Carson once, I remember. Um, so, I mean, it was like, yeah, whatever. You want to know who's calling? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who's calling because he's not going to answer the phone. So, who's calling? David Letterman on, on behalf of uh, Ducks Unlimited, Kansas City chapter. Okay, well, I'll let him know. And then, no, he's not available. So then I get a letter. Finally, I got a letter from Treaster. And it said something about you trying to reach out to me about your case. 
um, I assume, and um, I have nothing to say to you if you want, basically, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to go through your lawyer. And so I started going through my lawyer. I'm like, I'm like, why don't these cats give me some answers on something? I mean, they were both right there when I, when I stood up and swore to what I would do. And now it's like they don't want to tell me what I need to do. And I already have a pretty good idea. I just need you. I just need a little bit of affirmation to say, hey, you're on the right track, man. We may not be buddies, but you are trying to do the right thing. I, I may not like you, but you're on the right track. Good luck. Don't call me. I'll call you type deal. Okay, that's fine. Because I don't really care for you either. But the, the, there should be a common goal here between law enforcement and Hunter. And that should be for yeah, Hunter to understand the, the Hunter to understand the rules. So then I went after. Oh, um, hold on. Let me ask this. At what point did you grow, grow some balls the size of a yoga ball? Colorado. Um, I just started looking for. I started. I was at that. Where, point, well, I'm just asking. No, I'm just asking where that is in this part of the timeline that we're telling tonight. We're we're there. I mean, okay, go ahead. Then you've you've, you've done to me what you're going to do to me. I don't know what else. Because here's what you got to think about. My job was a part-time cop in the summer, a, da a dad of three kids, I had my own schedule, was making several hundred thousand a year gross. Um, I was a part-time or a certified NRA pistol instructor and, and was a concealed carry instructor, and I was a hunter. I mean, I never went anywhere without a shotgun and or a rifle and or a pistol. I mean, I had a weapon with me. Not to necessarily defend myself, but Pam, I mean, I may see a pheasant over there on Bob Jones's corner and have time to jump out and walk that corner real quick, pick up a couple roosters for dinner or whatever see a coyote somewhere that he doesn't belong in a field where a farmer's been having troubles with him or whatever. I mean, you know everybody in a small town. So I just always had a weapon with me. So imagine you go from that and, you know, trapping and, you know, the traditions of dying traps and dipping traps and you know, getting dirt ready for winter and stuff like that, all of that stuff, collecting urine, skinning, stretching, fleshing, sewing, drying hides, everything else. I mean, that's all you've ever done. Fishing, taking your kids fishing, crappie fishing with your kids yearly when they were a little bitty, um, opening day of does season, everything else, taking them out there when they couldn't hardly even walk. And so all those things, and, and now you, 
you've got none of that. You don't have the money. You don't have your kids. You don't have your badge. You don't have the right to carry a gun. You don't have a right to instruct anybody. You don't have a right to hunt. You don't have a right to fish. You don't have a right to trap. So at that point, your your balls, I guess, become pretty big because there's what else can you do to me? You've ruined everything I've ever known. And I'm now, you know, 36 years old. I'm right in my prime. And you just shut me down. So, I mean, we're we're there at that point with the, you can't do anything else that bad to me. So at that point, I just started trying to find resources wherever I could find them. I called the state of Kansas. The state of Kansas, I mean, I would have been better off going into my son's kindergarten class and asking somebody about federal regulations. I would have got better answers probably than what I would have got from Kevin Jones, which was, was the colonel of Kansas. I mean, I have him on recording at one point saying, man, it's 8 o'clock on Friday morning. I was in Louisiana at a show. I'd already talked to the colonel down there, Lynn Yoakum. And he was talking about how important tagging was. They print a, an actual what needs to be on the tag and their regulations, all this other. <laughs> Call Kevin Jones. He's like, it's 8 o'clock on a Friday morning. I said, Kevin, the problem is you're over however many game wards are in the state of Kansas. And if you don't know it, they don't know it. And then guys like me are getting punished for it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a number to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. I'm going to email it to you. So I got his email. I said, I recommend that you call him and talk to him about tagging laws. I said, I'm going to give you a week. I'm going to call you. Call him back in a week and ask him, what did you find out? Nothing. I said, what do you mean you didn't find out nothing? I didn't call. I said, why didn't you call? Because there's no need to call because I know the law. I said, why wouldn't you just call and make sure? Because you didn't seem real sure that you knew the law last week when I talked to you and you said, give me a break. It's 8 o'clock in the morning on a Friday morning. And he said, I'm not having this conversation with you. There is no there is no tagging law in the state of Kansas or separation law. And I said you're you're wrong. How and so, I don't understand how these states don't know migratory bird game laws. I don't I don't get that. Oh, it's terrible. So then I got a hold how, of how many other states didn't did really didn't have any comprehension of what you were talking about, or let's just say fifty 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 or less, probably or less. You know, Nebraska wasn't really. Nebraska was pretty slow on it. South Dakota was terrible on it. Arkansas surprised me, terrible with it. I tweeted them. I have. I have. If you go back to my toe tags page, I have tweets where I'm tweeting back and forth to the fishing game in Arkansas and South Dakota and screenshotting it and putting it on my page. 
and and you know I'm asking them and they're blocking me and all sorts of stuff and I, you know I start out nice okay what you now I think you better look again and they're like nope that's the law and I'm like no it's it's not why don't you look under 50 CFR 2036 go google it 50 CFR 20.36 and see what you find. Well, it doesn't say anything about separation in there. Well, that's right, but if you don't separate them, they're going to charge you a tagging violation or a possession violation. One of the two. They're going to charge you for being over in your possession, and they're going to charge you for not having tagged birds in there, and you're transporting somebody else's birds. They can't just be in a big pile in the back of the truck. Well, in the meantime, I mean, I was calling people daily and emailing, so I had hard copies of stuff, was using a, an app called Tape-A-Call, was calling these people. And so finally, I'm like, who can I talk to from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services that's going to give me some answers? And so I dig around, and I'm like, Migratory Game Bird Division. And so... There was like a customs division, an imports exports division, uh, big game division, whatever. And I'm like, there's nobody better to call than the migratory game bird division. Call up there and immediately get to, you know, you've reached U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services migratory game bird division. If you know the extension of your party, please enter it now. If you're trying to reach Special Agent Stacy Campbell, dial extension 222, Special Agent Anne-Marie Sharkey, 223, Special Agent Dan Coyle, 224, and I'm thinking, oh, canvasbackdan at gmail.com, there you are, because I didn't have his phone number because they took my phone, and I still hadn't got that stuff back. And so that was a real slap in the face. I mean, that was, I was kind of an emotional phone call when I got on the phone with him because, I mean, you hunted with the guy for three years. He asked about your kids, saw your kids, gave him high fives when they came down to the lodge in the evening. I mean, he, he knew he knew me on a personal level that a lot of my clients didn't ask me to come elk hunting with them. I asked them to come elk hunting with me. Um, so, I mean, that, that stings, you know, that stings pretty good. But I, so I talked to Dan and Dan said he wouldn't really talk to me about the specifics of my case. Um, of course I have that all recorded as well. And so I asked him, I said, okay, I understand that because I've been in law enforcement and I'm not trying to put you in a pinch, but you can talk to me about tagging laws. So what is expected, this and that. So, he, he, I mean, he kind of him hot around through it. And then, you know, I asked him some other questions. I said, were you married the whole time? And, he, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about that. And I said, <laughs> I said, dude, you know, I'm not like going to hurt you or come after your family or anything like that. But, I said, you know, some of that stings, dude. And he said, I, I didn't like the way it ended either, but it was business and whatever. And I'm thinking, I mean, it, it's just a bitter ending, and you're kind of like, fuck you at that point. And 
I'm very happy with it, but you're also trying to grow through it and you're trying to get answers. So you look at the bigger picture and you just push forward. So then, you know, I called and would avoid him. So and how much detail did he go into about tagging? Very detailed. No, he was detailed. Oh, I mean, he this is like a customer, customer survey. Uh, somewhat detailed, neutral, not detailed. Um, so if you're going to, all right, here's my deal. Yeah, neutral. With the, pretty neutral. Here's my deal with the state and the feds, okay? If there's one deal I have with him, why are we not educating? Number one, I know the feds aren't going to get into a situation where they're educating the hunters, but why not through the state, if you're going to work together on cases of bringing you know, bringing people down. Why not get the information out there to try to keep people legal? I don't, I don't get that part of it. So when it comes to like law enforcement, highway patrol, highway patrol works with the federal government on international commerce type stuff. So like your commercial motor vehicles, your semi trucks, um, the feds basically tell a highway patrolman what they want them inspecting vehicle wise, blah, blah, blah. They go through training. They go through all sorts of different stuff, 40 hours of training to be a commercial motor vehicle inspector. Um, they go through this 40 hour class. They go through all this other stuff. And then every highway patrolman has to go through a certain level of it. And then they're certified as a commercial motor vehicle inspector. And then they take continuing education hours on that yearly. The only state of every state that I've talked to that does anything with the feds in conjunction with the feds is Missouri. Missouri, every year, the feds and the state people get together and have like a five-day or four-day seminar-type deal. Now, what they're discussing and what's actually going on there, I've never followed up with that in detail. Would I like to be a fly on the wall and be there? Yes. Is it open to the public? I, I don't think so. When I asked, it wasn't. It was more of an event that they held in conjunction with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services on certain laws and it basically trained their officers but surprisingly i don't hear large amounts of tagging violations coming out of missouri um louisiana and that's i hear them a lot in louisiana um surprisingly i don't hear them out of arkansas and you'll see 9,000 birds on one lanyard hanging on a tree and one guy standing there with a shotgun. And it's like, that's crazy to me. But, so, I, I mean, I just, it was What's difficult. Even crazier, I, I mean, the number of guide services that's there in Arkansas, figured they'd be yeah, working you, them hard. You would think, and I don't know if I'm just not hearing about them, if nobody's pushing back, if these guys are folding, or what's 
you know exactly what's going on. But but, but still the but but still to you, the most important state was Kansas. It, deep down in your heart, if there was one state that you didn't want this to happen again in, it was Kansas. So yeah. You, and I can see, all right, I can put myself in your shoes and see you're like, okay, what the heck is going on here? Why why are we not educating? So I think the cool part of this story is you start showing up at commission meetings, which I what kind of funny. I saw where uh, the one of the Kansas meetings was announced like today. It's coming up sometime in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. But you started showing up at these meetings and I ask questions. Well, well, you're more nobody... educated on the topic than they are, and you're asking them questions. Well, and I had been to other commission meetings and and produced good results. Like, hey, Nebraska is killing six dark geese. Oklahoma's killing six dark geese. Colorado's killing six dark geese. Kansas limits three dark geese. What can we do about that? And they changed it. They moved it to six, which was great. Um, Spent hours on the phone with Lloyd Fox from Emporia with Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks on um, tracking, tracking wounded deer and whatever. I said, we're one of the states that don't do it. What what is it going to take? Pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Went to a commission meeting in Great Bend and said, Here's the information. Here's why can't we make an educated decision on this? I'll compromise and we can use them on a leash. I know you don't want them running down a tree row out here, pushing deer out the end so people can shoot them. I get that. So all tracking has to be done on a leash. They said okay with that. So I I had always felt like I could get along with the commissioners. There was one on there that grew up in the same small town back in western Kansas where there was only one paved road, no no, no street lights, a handful of stop signs. He grew up in that town, was friends with my dad forever, still is to this day. And I thought, I, I have an advantage going in here. I can get these people to work with me if I go in there. So the first one I went to was in Emporia, and I started asking. I just I I recorded it because I didn't know if they, what they were doing, and I didn't want them to be able to manipulate it. So I record it. I stick the phone in my pocket, and you hear me start asking questions. And my name's Ryan Warren. I was here to try to clarify some stuff on tagging. I would like to see it go in the regulation books. And this was like in December time period. And I said, I would like to see it printed in the regulation books next year. And the commission said, uh, we have Officer Mark Rankin here, and he can probably maybe answer some of your questions. I turned around, I looked at Mark Rankin, and I'm thinking, you're the guy I saw in Topeka about two months ago at a gas station and turned my eye recorder on and kind of trot across the parking lot and said, hey, man, how's it going? He said, good. I said, what 
you working today or what's up? He said, no, we're up here in Topeka for meetings. And I said, I said, really? I said, uh, hey, I have a question. I've been hearing some stuff about tagging. Is that an actual law or what? And he said, yes. He said, it's a, it's a law. Um, you have to have your birds separated and or tagged on the back of a vehicle. You can't just have them all in a pile. And I thought, there there's a God. There's a God, and he's heard my prayers, and we're going to get somewhere. So then when I stand up at Emporia, and I turn around and look at this guy, and I'm thinking, well, I'll be damned. It's Mark Rankin. And so I said, is Kevin Jones not here? Because he's the colonel that I've been riding his ass. And they said, uh, no, he retired. I said, I didn't say anything, but I thought, good, adios, <laughs> good riddance. You, can, you and John Brooks can go somewhere together and have a vacation. So I, uh, I, I said, hey, can you, what, can you tell me about tagging? And he said, he explained it. It was right on. That was the first commission meeting. So I said, let's put it in the books. What is it going to take to get it in the books? Well, that's a federal regulation. We don't print federal regulations. And I said, uh, I noticed baiting's in there. You cover baiting, that's a federal regulation. Well, that's a state regulation also. And I said, so is tagging. It's a state regulation also. Well, I don't, I don't know why we put it in there. That's why we put it in there uh, for additional, for a complete list of, of regulations. Go to www.usfishwildlifeservices.com dot e-regs whatever and i'm like it's not cutting it because i'm thinking that's not cutting it because we're we're still getting in trouble for it in the meantime another outfit out of southeast kansas had been charged and whatever and the tagging was on their stuff too other stuff also but tagging was one that was on there too so i mean it was showing up again still and kind of left that meeting things were okay went to the next meeting um, Mark Rankin wasn't there. It was somebody else, you know, like an acting colonel at that point or something. Because this is like, I don't know, a month or so later. I drove three hours or three hours to get to Emporia. Now I drove three hours to get somewhere else. I don't remember where the second meeting was. Went in and said, okay, so what, what, do, what do we think? We've had time to think about it. Um, what do we think? Do we want to put this in the regulations or not? Well, you know, I don't know. We never really talked about it and blah, 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 blah. And that's something we'll, we'll consider and this and that. Well, I'm, so then I began to push a little harder because I'm like, it, you got to do something. And so I brought up, I said, you know, another outfitter just got charged. There was tagging violations on it. You know, so, so nothing. So then the next commission meeting I go to, I print out like, indictments i print out copies of my draft indictment i print out copies of the law i print out several different things take it to them present it laid it all on each one of their desks before we started okay you know had a copy of it in my hand went through it all these were being recorded and posted on kdwp's page so um, go through and talk about laws, whatever. Said, 
think it's important. Look, people are getting indicted for it. Things are things are going bad because of this. I would like to see something done with it. Okay, well, thank you for your information. We'll review it and we'll get back with you. But we think it's too late to get it in this set of regulations. And I'm like, yeah. So I call the regulation guys. Today, you print Kansas regulations? Yep. I said, I want to run an ad in there. I said, okay. I said, I want to run the biggest toe tag ad you can put in there. And I want to say it's a federal law, it's a state law, whatever. I want it right across the page from the migratory bird, game bird section. So, okay, the biggest ad would run is $2,700. I said, okay, how about, the, <laughs> about something? Just, it's going to be big enough for them to see it. He says they start at, you know, 500 bucks or whatever. And I said, okay, okay, start with that one. So put it right on the opposite page. It printed. Life was good. Went into the next year. Recorded game, recorded conversations with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife to the point of reading the exact same scenarios off of a sheet of paper, word for word, and recording their conversations. State of Kansas. Gerald Lauber guy comes down to the point where he's like, you again, huh? And I'm like, that's pretty ballsy to be the head commissioner and make a statement like that to to a member of the public. And so I'm thinking, you know, that's unprofessional, but it'll speak for itself. He knows I'm here. He knows what I want, whatever. Um, so that year they put tagging in the regulation books. For the first time in 46 years, because you can call Pratt and get every regulation they've ever printed. Never been in there before. So I was making headway. My ad was getting bigger. And I go back to the next commission meeting and said, okay, you've got tagging in there, and I'm not trying to overstep my boundaries, but it's still, it's the, when you read the law, it's as gray as gray can be. Can you put some examples down there? Like if you're riding in a vehicle, they just can't be in a pile in the back. Chris Timason, the legal counsel, says that's not a law. I said, Chris, it's, and I talked to him on the phone several times as well. I've talked to everybody on the phone and recorded him. And I'm like, Chris, that is a law, dude. I, I guarantee you it's a law. And I like Chris Timason, but I'm like, it's a law. Get a hold of the feds. It's a law. Gave them guys numbers, even the, the council members, numbers to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services offices with the agent's extension numbers in it to call them and talk to them. And so we, we were just kind of sitting idle, but things were getting more tense as far as what was expected from me to them. And... Finally, it just came to a head, and Gerald Lauber kind of spouted off about, don't you own a tagging business? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, so it would greatly benefit you if we came out and said that tagging was a law in the state of Kansas and you need to tag your birds and whatever. And I said, it would, but that's not why I'm here. I have a regular job because this job doesn't cut it. I said, I'm out here 
sticking my neck on the line for the guys that are coming behind me and the guys, the young outfitters that are starting and whatever, because you have no more guide license requirements in the state of Kansas, but that's a whole nother topic that we'll discuss another time. And he said, I don't even want to hear it. You can talk about that with legislature, not this board. We have no control over that. And so we were arguing about how do you have no control over our game laws? This and that we're we're done talking. Whatever you 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 obviously have, you know, a reason to be here. Your reason is to sell tags. Thank you oh, and Lord. and sit down. And I was freaking hot. I was so pissed off. So I thought, wow. you know what, Gerald, you've done your homework. Let me go do a little bit of mine. So, Gerald, you graduated Washburn in Topeka, and you run a bank. And you know, you know what? The banking records for the state of Kansas, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, guess what? That's all public record. So let me call down there and see what banks we do business with. And guess what? The president of the bank that we do business with in the state of Kansas Guess who that president is? Gerald Lauber, the head oh. of the commission. So that went all over Facebook, and I spent a little extra money that I didn't have probably to boost that through the state of Kansas. That, you know what, you think my hidden agenda is tags? Well, Gerald Lauber, you graduated at KU, or at Washburn, and you started working at this bank. I named the bank. I said, you worked there since you were 18, and there was only one bank now. Now there's like 27 branches of that bank, and you are the president of one of those banks. And the state of Kansas deposits, I, I had the numbers at the time, because all that's public record, X number of dollars into that bank. And so... And they they ended they ended up depositing not just solely into that bank, they they deposit into several banks throughout the state of Kansas. But that was one of them was connected there. And of course, no different than he dwelled on my tags, I dwelled on that bank. And so, me and Gerald aren't real tight. So. But his term's coming up, and hopefully I've written everybody in Topeka about Gerald Lauber and his term and how, you know, he's just about himself and whatever. That's why he didn't want because he, he pissed everybody off when he didn't want to do anything with the fall turkey permits because you can kill four hens in the fall. And so a bunch of people went. Here's my deal. Uh, let me say this real quick before you say that. You want to find out something interesting? There's a wide array of people listening to this podcast from different states. Go look and see your commissioners uh, sits on your commission, Wildlife Commission. Sure, yeah. you're going to find out that uh, most of them they're they're spending the night in a five star lodge with uh, two thousand private acres. 
the hardest thing that they have to do in the morning is step into a a, a boat ditch to get to their flooded yeah. timber. They, they're yeah, not in the real surprised. world, most of them. No. And, I, you know, the legal counsel, uh, Chris Timerson, I looked on his Facebook page, some of his profile pictures, stacked birds, piles. <laughs> you know, of course, I screenshotted them, put them on my toe tags page and said, well, this may explain why we don't want to say it's a law because we're clearly violating the law. So, yeah, it's it's got pretty intense. So when so jumping back a little bit, when it came time to to get me off for the fishing trip, they called the state. I don't I don't know who they talked to. My lawyer came back and said they'll do the fishing, but the statement was made. You've been a butthead. I thought they said asshole. And I said, if wanting clarity to save guys in the future and buddies of mine that are still doing it is being a butthead, then I guess call it what you will. But... I mean, well, you're ultimately you're fighting to protect the sport. You're 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 fighting to protect the sport. You're fighting to protect your, the college. I mean, just theoretically speaking, what happens if they came in and took out three to five of the top major lodges in every state? I mean, it, people traveling, equity in the town, them coming in, getting gas, liquor, the buying food at the local grocery store to cook for the lodge, people employed there, duck pickers, whatever, different jobs, uh, leases change, so farmers change. So, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that don't like guys, and I, I get that, but you got to be smart enough to take the time and take a deep breath and realize that, you know, nobody likes non-resident deer hunters in the state of Kansas. But, a resident deer tags thirty or forty bucks. A non-resident tag is about five hundred. So that non-resident tag goes a lot further than the That's resident what it should tag. Be. They're limited, most of them, to you know three, five, seven days. They're with an outfitter that has some type of minimum most of the time, and so they're trying to do herd management and stuff like that. But the large majority of your revenue is coming from that, even over waterfowl. So, are you ever gonna? Are you gonna buy a private island? Are you gonna make enough money to buy a private island from selling tags? I will never make. You know, it's funny that you say that because I I am a firm believer. When I went through a low point in my life, I listened to. An audio book called The Secret, um, and it talks about what you, what you focus on is what you get. You know, if you if you close your eyes and say, "Look for right before you close them," I say, "Close your eyes," or I say, "Go." But before that, I'm going to give you five seconds to look for everything red in the room, and then you're going to close your eyes and name it. And I say, five, four, three, two, one. Close your eyes, 
and I say name everything in the room that's green, you're not going to be able to name much because you were focused on red. So if you ever have a long time to listen to something besides this podcast and me babbling, The Secret, The Secret. It's an audiobook. You can listen to it. It's kind of crazy at first, but it talks about generating your your own thoughts and creating your own destiny type deal. Yes, I would love to have a private island of my own. I would love to be able to hunt it. Nobody else would be able to come there with me. But no, I mean, but what I'm saying is, tags is twenty five cents or less. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to to do it. It's impossible. So no. financially, it's going to make you a living. That is a goal. But well, to question your motives. It will. It will soon enough. But to question your motives behind doing the tags, uh, dude. Uh, if you sit back and think about it logically, th- there's only one answer or conclusion that you can come to of why. To educate the public. It's, it's, you're making up for the shortfall of the feds and the state. What they've been falling short on for a long time now. Yeah. And I mean, if you've listened to this whole podcast, you, I mean, I'm sure you could hear the pain in my voice last week. I was, I got off the phone. I looked over at my fiance and I said, that was rough. I about cried a couple of times. I said, I had to pause. She said, I heard you. And I said, that's, I said, that's rough, but hopefully, you know, it's helping somebody. And I get emails every day. So, no, I mean, I still, I'll get up in the morning, I'll go to work, I'll be at work by 7, I'll get off at 4 or 5 if I'm lucky, come home, I'll pack tags all night, be up till 12 or 1 o'clock, because I haven't really streamlined that part of it yet, but I'm doing okay, I'll be up till 12 or 1 o'clock trying to make sure everybody's orders are right, because they're getting ready to go to Canada, and international shipping's crazy, I'll get off work on Wednesday, go pick up my kids from five to eight and hopefully get off right at four so I can run to the post office and mail everything out. Go pick up my kids. And a lot of times in the evenings, they're sitting there counting and rubber banding tags with me. And they're, I I mean, that's not the time I want to spend with them, but we make the best of it. And we, we know that, Hey, this, this is what it is for now. And, and this is, this is what, we do, and this is a little bit of extra money on the side. I mean, they don't realize it's like five dollars a month. You know, I'm just kidding. It's more than that, but it's it's not what you would think. I mean, I don't I don't make fifteen thousand dollars a year off of it, and no way the amount of time that I spend in it and research and trying to make on the phone with people, trying to help people. Call me, hey, I just need to talk to you, ask you a few questions. I mean, that's daily. I'm on the phone with somebody. And that's fine. I like doing it. That's the purpose of it. Right. I mean, that was my, that was the, the, the mission from, from the beginning was to say, if I can save somebody, then that's, that's great. If I can save two, it's even better. Three, better. Four, better, better. I mean, I still run an operation on my house. So next week, I think that next week during the live, we're going to let people ask questions about the story, ask questions about the tags. We'll talk about a little bit about the tags 
also just you and I uh, and talk about where these things are going. If some of these people don't mind us saying that they're going to be using them this year, I don't think that they would. Um, some pretty prominent people that are really jumping all in with the with the toe tags this year as they as they get back to guiding. September's right around the corner. Yeah, sounds great. Be be thinking of people that you know that can help get information out there. I mean, I've tried. I'm, I don't make a ton. So it's not like I can call every waterfowl show and say, hey, I'll give you $20,000 to run me for, you know, two quarters on the Sportsman's Channel. I can't do that. I don't have the finances to do that. If I, if I did, I would do it, even if it cost me $4,000 just to do it. I mean, it's obvious that I'm not in it to make a million dollars because I'm not doing it. And I haven't been doing it for five years. But if I can educate guys and get the word out there, that's the biggest deal is just getting the word out there to people that they at least need to know it's a law. Turning your turn signal on a dirt road at 3 a.m. is a law. You may not do it on your way to the field, but if you get pulled over and ticketed for it, you at least know it's a law. So they should at least know it's a law and have the option to do it, not be blindsided and just ticketed or indicted or whatever so right. any help i can get would be great i am thinking that we are going to do it next tuesday you and i'll be talking about it over the next few days ryan and i'll announce it on duck south probably do it at night because you you won't be able to do it in the daytime and i think nighttime may be a little bit better so We'll try to do that next Tuesday night, if that sounds good with you. That'll work. We'll make it work. All right. So, Ryan, get your – I mean, not Ryan, but for all this you that's listening, get your questions ready now. Prepared for next week. Write them down. Put them on a notebook, piece of paper, and be ready for next Tuesday night. We're going to go live on Duck South with Ryan and talk about this whole story from – from beginning to end, answer any questions you have, any questions about the tags. I think it's going to be a pretty interesting um, Facebook Live, and you get to become a part of the podcast. So the next time you'll hear Ryan and I together will be next Tuesday night. So let you know the time on that sometime in the next few days. Ryan, enjoyed it as usual. It's the final time we're signing out on the old Podbeam nap. All right. I really enjoyed uh, doing this story with you. It has been a, you know, it has benefited, I know the end of the line greatly, having this great story be a part of it. So, Ryan, thank you again. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. Thank you.